minutes, 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is Grant Cameron, and I'm very busy, but I have to do this quick update after I heard an interview tonight with uh, Jim Semivan, who was interviewed by Whitley Strieber. Uh, During the interview, he validated a lot of things that I have said in the past, but one of the things, a couple of things... I wanted to mention the first is that he outs Ron Pandolfi as being uh, the head of the weird desk for a period of time. Um, That was one thing that I found very significant because the story I'd been told was that one of the people that Jim Semivan went to after he had his experience was Ron Pandolfi. And the version of the story I heard was that Ron told him he didn't have a need to know in terms of what had happened. Now, the more important thing that... um, Jim Semivan brought up that uh, is absolutely a game changer for me was he talked about um, what he believed actually happened with the UFO um, black program situation was that it involves presidential emergency action documents. I have maintained for a long time that the president does know, has access to this if he wants to have it, and that the the programs are legal. The other thing Jim mentioned was that he believed that some of the Gang of Eight know what's going on. He stated himself that he knew where the legacy programs were. So if Jim Semivan knows where the legacy programs are, there's got to be a bunch of people um, that know what's going on. This is not as secret as people uh, think it is. Uh, The other thing that um, I had mentioned in the past was the fact that when James Lekatsky talks about being inside the craft, uh, he makes reference to the fact that when this conversation took place about the craft, there was a U.S. senator in the room that that was part of this conversation. So getting back to the important um, piece of information that that Jim has brought forward, he talks about presidential emergency action documents, and he believed that uh, he thought Truman or Eisenhower had started, he believed it was probably Eisenhower, and it is true, it would have been Eisenhower because he's the guy that brought these in. And I'll read from uh, Wikipedia the reference on these documents and then explain why this is so important. Presidential Emergency Action Documents, P-E-A-D, PEDS, are draft classified executive orders, proclamations, and messages to Congress 
that are prepared for the President of the United States to exercise or expand powers in anticipation of a range of emergency hypothetical worst-case scenarios so that they are ready to sign and put into effect the moment these scenarios come to pass. They are defined, here's the important part, they are defined by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which is FEMA, as the final drafts of presidential messages, proposed legislation, proclamations, and other formal documents, including DOJ-issued cover sheets addressed to the president to be issued in the event of a presidential declared national emergencies. Uh, PEDS originated in the Eisenhower administration in response to fears of Cold War and nuclear war and are part of what are often referred to as continuity of government planning. Now, I'll stop there and start with the last piece in here. Um, I've written extensively about MJ-12. I've maintained that unless people are taking stupid pills, uh, there's a lot of evidence to indicate there was an MJ-12. One of the conversations that took place on this was with John Alexander, who stated in one interview that he did know that MJ-12 had existed. Um, when he was asked about it, he said he didn't believe it had anything to do with UFOs. He was told that it had to do with continuity of government. That's exactly what these uh, presidential uh, action documents are about. They're under FEMA. Now, I've written about this in uh, a number of places. I have a book that I was planning to do. I've got so many books that are in the, in line. I may have to move this up. I was going to do a, a book on the Johnson administration. And anybody who's got my old presidential UFO website, I wrote in 2009 an article dealing with uh, President Johnson's uh, connection to the the Kecksburg crash. And I also, in 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 there, I, I made reference to uh, all the FEMA connections that are involved in, in the UFO situation and how it fit together to me that FEMA would be part of the whole operation. Now, um, I, this is just a brief thing I may do. I, I'm going to write this up and I will do other podcasts on this. But FEMA, uh, one of the statements that has been made about um, FEMA is that the head, headquarters, one of the headquarters is at Mount Weather. Mount Weather is the uh, place where FEMA moves the government if there's a nuclear exchange. And it was directly involved in communications on the night of the Kecksburg crash in 1965. It was identified as Code Bluegrass, which is uh, Mount Weather. Uh, one of Stephen Greer's witnesses, uh, this um, uh, lawyer guy who worked for Eisenhower, uh, claimed to have worked at Mount Weather and stated that that was where the headquarters for the UFO program was, which makes total sense that if you uh, want secure communications, Mount Weather is connected to everything. This is the uh, the, the surviving government, the continuity of government. And they will have connections to everything and they'll all be secure and protected from uh, nuclear exchange. And it would make sense that if you want to run a very top secret program, this is the place you might run it from. So uh, this is this lawyer. His name is escaping me at the moment. Stephen Lovkin uh, is the guy. He claimed that that was where the UFO headquarters were, was at Mount Weather. And consider that Mount Weather is a FEMA facility. 
Um, now, an another thing, and I've posted a lot of this stuff on uh, Twitter, uh, another connection to these presidential executive action documents and the connection to FEMA um, are found in a, um, a, a statement made by Paul Hellier. Uh, he made in Brantford, Ontario. I was on the panel with him when he made this statement that Paul Hellier, um, after he retired as, as Minister of Defense in Canada, um, had been contacted um, by a deathbed, by somebody who wanted to make a deathbed confession. Paul really didn't know a lot about UFOs except this one general, two-star general, had told him it's all real and more. And then there was this deathbed confession. So many years ago, I wrote an article, and this is what I talk about, this deathbed confession. Um, and I talk, I'm making reference to how FEMA is so important in this whole uh, operation. And that's where these documents that Jim Semivan is talking about, uh, he believes this is the basis of... of, of uh, the cover-up and how you can't block these. You, you, nobody knows what these documents are. None of them have been declassified. Um, they're, they're only known. None of them, none have been declassified, and, and they're, they're extremely secret-type uh, documents. So here's what I wrote about this deathbed confession and the connection to FEMA. This is a Canadian story. Uh, this is interesting because this would put in the scope of the, the work done by the federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. It would make sense that this group would be involved with some sort of alien attack or contact. Further evidence of this comes from a story uh, that former Canadian Defense Minister Paul Heller told. He had been contacted by someone who said that the former head of emergency management in Canada, which is the Canadian equivalent of FEMA, was dying of ALS and had something he wanted to get off his chest. Paul didn't talk to the man until just before he died, but the man wanted to tell him the whole story was real. He stated that he had been taken to Langley, where he had signed his life away, and was read into the reality of the UFO situation. He stated further that he had been taken to Area 51 and had actually sat in one of the crafts. Um, now, here's, here's another, um, and this goes back, you have to look at my book, UFOs Area 51 and government informants to see a lot of this material. This is uh, material that was going back in the 1980s. We're talking about uh, the government, people inside the government leaking material um, to people like Tom DeLong and people like that. Well, in the 1980s, they were leaking material to Bill Moore. No matter what anybody wants to say, I knew Bill Moore. And one of the people that was involved with Bill Moore was Robert Collins, who was actually claimed to be uh, behind the idea of the aviary which was a group of uh, high-level people that Bill had made contact with, and he'd given them bird names to protect their identities and help put off and Alexander and Richard Doty, and there was all a whole list of these people that I put the list out in the 1990s, and I think the list is still basically the same. There's about 24 people. But one of the, uh, the uh, bird people was Robert Collins, and if you saw the documentary UFO cover-up live, 1988, you will see he's the backlit, back, backlit and he's playing the role of uh, the condor in the Avery. And he's talking about um, the live alien at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. This is when, in this documentary, they leaked the idea that there is a live alien. Until then, nobody was talking about live aliens. That came out of the documentary. So Robert Collins was talking about this live alien and um, the, the, the crafts at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. 
And one of the things that he stated during this time period, um, he's, he's talking, he says, the following has been uncovered over years of research. MJ-12 had a cover under which it operated, and that cover was reportedly the Office of Emergency Preparedness Special Facilities Division. That is FEMA, and that office is inside Mount Weather. And this is where this communication came from uh, during the uh, the Kecksburg crash. Uh, there had been some metal recovered in Michigan. This object had gone across the United States before it crashed in in. Uh, Pennsylvania, and there was some metal that had been recovered in Michigan, and this was this communication. And you can actually go to the files of Blue Book and take a look, and you'll see this uh, project, uh, code Bluegrass. And it wasn't until you look up Bluegrass you'll see uh, what it actually makes reference to. So Bill Moore in the 1980s had already had a flowchart, and in that flowchart he talks about uh, MJ-12. And the, the cover for it, uh, and it was right under the president. This flowchart, it might be on my uh, Twitter account. If you on my Twitter account, I show the flowchart. This is from 1984-1985. And he has uh, a special advisory committee to the president on alien matters right below the president. And then uh, connected there is FEMA, Special Facilities Division. Now, um, I will eventually put out the... Um, the book on this, um, the Johnson administration, because the Johnson administration also did a UFO study, which a lot of people don't know. And I was given uh, a lot of the pages of that study. The guy who wrote it, his uh, uh, granddaughter, I believe it was, uh, recovered this or his daughter. And um, I was given access to this. So I'll put this book out and it has this whole FEMA connection and uh, what what was happening during the Kecksburg crash where the president was and uh, pieces of information, for example, the fact the first person that the president met, he was at the ranch when the Kecksburg crash occurred, and everybody showed up, the head of NASA, um, the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Defense, everybody showed up on the morning after the Kecksburg crash, and then the first person that uh, the president met with when he got back to Washington on the Monday was the head of FEMA. So this is this uh, sort of connection that uh, Jim Semivan is talking about, that um, this this is a, uh, it's not like executive order, it seems to be almost more secret than executive orders, and it is this uh, idea of the emergency management, and that's what uh, John Alexander claimed that he was told it had continuity of government, which didn't make any sense until tonight when Jim Semivan talked about these presidential um, documents that uh, he believes are at the basis, which again confirms the fact that um, I believe this is all going to be legal. This has all got uh, authorization, and that's what you hear from people like uh, Jim Semivan, who said that everything he did, he had a lawyer around him, um, and that uh, things were done legally. And James Lekatsky also says that that he, when he was running the OSAP program, he said he didn't see anything illegal, but he did see very high-level security. And these uh, presidential emergency action documents are one of the most highly classified uh, pieces of uh, information inside the U.S. government, and that agrees with the Canadian government. Uh, the, the Canadian government top-secret document from 1950 in which Wilbur Smith said, I talked to American officials and they told me 
Number one, flying saucers exist. Number two, it's the most highly classified subject in the United States. And that's what these uh, PEAD documents uh, seem to um, show. So FEMA is on the map. I will write it up in this uh, uh, book with the Johnson administration study and uh, post as much as I can to Facebook as to the, the pieces of the puzzle. So that's it. Thanks for listening. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.